everybody. This is John Tatey welcoming you back again to Pop Mom, the podcast where culture is relative. Yes, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tatey, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and the riddles of human nature. On this episode, mom reviews the mushroomy movie, Fantastic Fungi. It's a documentary. Mom would want me to specify that. Uh, (laughs) Documentary, Fantastic Fungi. That's coming up later. Let's bring mom in now. Hi, mom. Hi, Johnny. How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, I had to get up early yesterday. Uh, Anna asked me the other night if I could get up uh, early. Usually she gets up first and uh, gets the kids going, which, thank God for that, is really the number one luxury in my life. And Anna, I'm not worthy. Picture me down on the floor uh, with my uh, hands going up and down and abject worship of you getting up early. So one morning I have to get up because um, her mom is in town and they were going to go out and do an early morning uh, sightseeing tour. Okay, I can handle this, right? I'm a grown man, no problem. Well, uh, she comes in, wakes me up the next morning. I get all groggy, I get up, and I immediately shit my pants. Complete, just a misrepresentation a d- <laughs> of guests. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Well put. Wow, as, as I couldn't have put it more elegantly than that. Yes, <laughs> mom. And I was just like, God, how pathetic am I? Like, <laughs> my wife asks so little of me, and five seconds into this totally Norman normal human task, I'm a literal mess. Um, wow. So, uh, you know, well, it was only up from there. Yeah. Well, too much fiber in your diet or? <laughs> no, I think my diet's fine. But, you know, sometimes when your sleep schedule gets thrown off, your uh, digestive system doesn't react uh, happily. Oh, my God. That's what happens. Between so. you and daddy, it's like it's like walking in a minefield. Well, anyway. Well, I didn't shit on the floor. Well, I I realized that it's even worse though. I mean, the floor at least you can scrub and but now your underpants have to go in the trash. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's it. That's the story. Well, it's funny because last night this is this is sort of funny and let me just tell you cuz last night I wet my pants. Uh after dinner, but it was too early to get in pajamas. So I just got in the shower and just put on underpants and a top. So, cause I thought this would be better. However, daddy thought that was hilariously wrong. Too early for you to get in pajamas. What time was it? 9 a.m.? <laughs> well, it was like, I don't know. It was like four thirty or five or something. You have spoken on this very podcast many times about how you just you slip into your pajamas as early as possible. So, well, I do. But yesterday, it just seemed you know the front door is open. There's all kinds of deliveries being made, hmm. and uh, you know, so it seemed inappropriate. So, wow, there was a lot of information for people. Yeah, what? How's that for a start? And new listeners, welcome um, to 
this podcast where my mother and I talk exclusively about times that we've soiled ourselves. So you can see why it's a hit, why we have such a loyal uh, following of listeners. Uh, Oh. in seriousness, although also I hope in good humor and fond memories, um, we want to talk about uh, the recent death of a comedian who Mom and I just discovered. It's so strange to have mm. just discovered this funny, funny person, and suddenly he's gone. But we're talking about the British comedian Sean Locke. Um, and he was one of the two uh, regular team captains on a show we reviewed recently here on the podcast, 8 Out of 10 Cats Does Countdown. It's this hybrid comedy game show that's become something of an institution in the UK. And um, this Sean Locke is felt like he was like a keystone of the show yeah. uh, with, a, with a look, with a remark spoken out of the side of his mouth he could get um, such a huge laugh, which is not to suggest that he was the type of comedian who would mug for the camera, just an extremely sharp, smart, droll, uh, I don't know, (laughs) I'm going to run out of adjectives for this guy, but I was shocked to even hear that he had cancer, and uh, now he's died. So, uh, Mom, I'd love to play a clip um, of Sean Locke's greatest comedic moment, which is his playing of the uh, (laughs) game... Carrot in a Carrot box. in a box. On eight out of oh. ten cats, the original panel show that sort of spawned eight out of ten cats does countdown. On eight out, eight out of ten cats, if you search on YouTube, this is a great way to remember the guy. Just search for Carrot in a box, and it'll come up. Watch it. I'm not going to say anything else about it, but what a great way to remember Sean. I promise you. And really, what a little, what a little diamond of a showcase. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Because right. honestly, I had not seen that before, uh, before I went, you know, trolling all over the Internet uh, after you let me know that he had passed. And I sort of I was I was uh, taken aback in that I felt like, wait, I just discovered this fellow. You know, that's that's not how this is supposed to work. Mm. Which is which is one yeah. of the, you know, sometimes you do tend to think of unreasonable things on hearing of someone's passing. And that was it. It was like it was all about me um, for, <laughs> for a minute there. And, and then I, of course, adjusted. But uh, yeah, in, no, I share the initial shock was just like, what? Like he's so young, and he was so young in actuality. Yes. What was he in his early fifties or something? Um, oh no, no, I think what? he was fifty-eight. Oh, he was fifty-eight. Oh, I wow. believe. Well, he looked younger than that. Um, but uh, in any case, still, uh, you know, we didn't expect him to go, and he's young in your head, is what I'm trying to get to, yes. right? Like we yes. just met him. We're right, yeah. right. That's what it's like. It's like when you say, "Oh, I just talked to him on." Tuesday. Yes, that's right. Like, that's what it feels like. It doesn't make any sense, but that's what you say. Yeah. You know, the thing is, he was from uh, Britain or England, and we don't get their news right uh, readily. So, you know, we didn't realize he was sick or 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 anything like that. But my question now is, I'm asking you to put on a on a different hat. What happens to a show that seems to have the perfect makeup? Who wants to sit in that chair 
I, I think that would be awfully big shoes to fill. Well, they have had other... I mean, you've watched a few episodes of, yes. of Cats Does Countdown, so they have had other comedians come in. I think the show will go on, but certainly it's lost something, and it will... Um, it's lost some of its heart, and it will be a different show going on. I think the show will be okay, but it's it's absolutely lost something. And this is a show... Um, you know, when I heard that he died, I guess it hit me a little extra because this is a show I discovered a few months ago, and I uh, started watching it after after a, a good friend of mine uh, died. I don't remember if I talked about her on the show or not, but um, this young woman, uh, Sam Berkman, who was who was a writer on my TV show and who was just a wonderful spirit and who rejuvenated the TV show when she came in halfway through its run. Um, we had a writer on the, a very small writing staff um, who just didn't bring a great energy to the room, and she left halfway through um, the season. And, and Sam came in, and she was just the shot in the arm for all of us. And well. she was... She was so excited to have this uh, TV writing gig, and I always, she was so good, and the, that little writing staff, I was so proud of them. Um, I just wanted the TV show to be the beginning of their longer story. Um, right. right. And to the two other young women who were on the writing staff, um, Kirthi Harishankar, and uh, Yolanda Carney have both gone on to uh, what seemed like successful TV careers, um, and I'm so proud of them for that. And I just, uh, you know, I had the same story uh, in mind for Sam, uh, and she died of cancer a few months ago. She was 30, I forget, 31, maybe, if she was even, I don't remember how exactly old she was. She was young. Yeah, yes. And um, I think... It's, it hit me as hard as any death I've had in my personal life uh, because of that. Because right, she, right. Was, she was supposed to be the beginning of her story. Um, it was really hard for me to function for a couple weeks. I was so devastated by this. And I watched so much of this uh, 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown because it just it felt like being with some friends. It was a distraction. Yeah. yeah. It, really helped get me through a tough time i'm sorry that's that's really all right it's really okay so when i saw that john lockett died i was just like well what the fuck <laughs> what the fuck yeah because uh, yeah. i felt so grateful to him and everybody on that wonderful show um for helping me get through this stretch so i don't have anything much to add really aside from what the fuck? But man, he was a funny guy, and I encourage you to look up his his work and remember and remember him, or discover him, and you or will you him. will yeah. be greatly rewarded. He he was a, uh, and you know it's funny, Johnny, because I I think as we've come through this pandemic, we've we've tried all the 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 tricks that you know, yeah. started out, oh, let's bang our pans, let's make banana bread, let's, you know, let's make diamonds out of coal. And we finally 
I think came to the point where we just said, I can't, I can't enough. You know, the news every day seemed bleaker and bleaker. And to discover this show when you really have, you're really running on fumes uh, as far as the pandemic, to find it was was like a great big present. And yeah, that's right. And it, and it delivered all the time. It delivered every time, oh, every man. episode. It really, really delivered. And, you know, I think I sort of feel like we've lost, we've lost a little bit of our, I feel like I've lost a little bit of my ground. It feels discouraging. It feels, you know, this is a man I didn't even know, but I counted on him on the days that I opened the computer. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I have to tell you, I I actually did cry. Yeah, it's sad. I cried because I felt like he was, uh, it sounds ridiculous to say this about a person I don't know, but he was there for me yeah. and I appreciated I that. I get it. It felt like we had made a new friend. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he will be greatly missed by millions of people but a lot by you and me, too. Yep, yep. Uh, and I hope millions of people continue to enjoy his work on YouTube and elsewhere. Yes, and if you if you look at nothing, <laughs> nothing else, yep. look at Carrot in a Box, because when I found it, I thought, oh, this is stupid. How could this be entertaining yep. at all? Yep. And that's all I'll say. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll remember you, Sean. Um Someone we may not remember, uh, if I may execute a clumsy pivot here, is uh, Mike Richards, who uh, you and I just talked about last week. And I uh, know, <laughs> you know, and now uh, he's what, gone. What I said last week was nobody will remember this uh, in a couple years, and uh, I think I've been proven right because now nobody will remember him <laughs> in a couple months. Um, yeah, that I mean, since our last taping of this pot, uh, what happened, Mike Richards, if you're not up to speed, and if you're not, good for you, um, but Mike Richards <laughs> was uh, slated to be the new host of the game show Jeopardy. Um, people uh, weren't happy that about that their favorite pick didn't get chosen, about the process, about all of it. And we talked about it last week. Uh, what happened since last week is that these old podcasts of his came out where he's um, making uh, jokes about uh, Jewish people and making a remark about fat women. Uh, anyway, it's remarks that were certainly thoughtless and could have hurt people's feelings. Shooting his mouth off on, on his podcast in a way that he shouldn't have, and the podcasts were unearthed, and now he's uh, stepped down as the host. Uh, what do you think, Mom? Well, <clears throat> I guess what I feel like is going to be very unpopular, but I feel like if if we looked in everybody's closet, there's something there that's going to, yeah. to rankle especially in this day and age where things are recorded um, or everybody has a, has a phone that takes pictures. Mm -hmm. I just feel like we've all become judges. And I think it's 
really hypocritical. I don't know that we've all become judges, but the people who are driving the culture um, are are definitely prone to go in that mode. Um, yeah, I mean, here's what I think, Mom. Um, I mean, I'm not losing too much sleep about this either way, honestly. There's just bigger problems in the world. True. Um, but wouldn't it be nice if this was the problem that we were... <laughs> Well, that's just it. And that's just what I want to get at is we, I think you have um, a generation of particularly media practitioners, journalists, uh, and other people in, in the mass media um, who can tend to feel powerless. You know, we're up against this pandemic. Mm. We're up against mm. global warming. We seem to be up against these forces, you know, the the vicissitudes of capitalism, these gigantic systems where it it's almost impossible for you to feel like you can have an impact. Yeah. But what a person can do is, um, you know, compile the dossier on uh, the Jeopardy host and get him canned. Um, so they under undertake that. I don't people are looking for those successes where they've made a difference. And so these minor issues are inflated into um, matters of titanic import to me to get that feeling for, you know, for the mm -hmm. media to feel justified in their existence and for um, people to feel like they're making, you know, they're striking a blow for justice or whatever. Um, you know, there are Strikes being landed in the uh, in the cause of justice uh, at this moment, uh, but I I just don't think these little cultural um, skirmishes uh, are it, and um, they enjoy an outsize position in our discourse and in our national psyche that I think ultimately is as much a distraction from real issues as anything else. I I think that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> let me say, let me say this as an example, uh, Facebook, which I am really coming more and more to realize is really a cesspool of yeah, absolutely. opinions. Again, I enjoy stuff that my friends put up, um, you know, pictures of great meals that they've put together or their grandchildren or their children or a trip they're taking. I enjoy that kind of stuff. I also um, follow uh, the Remy Report, which is uh, the baseball group for the, that, that roots for the Red Sox. And I say roots for the Red Sox uh, with a big roll of the eyes because these are the most negative people <laughs> You would ever, as soon as they hit the field, it's all doom and gloom. It's all doom and gloom. The Red Sox stink. The manager doesn't know what he's doing. Um, why is he leaving in so-and-so? And all these armchair coaches. And yesterday, I finally hit the wall. And I went on and I said, you are all a bunch of whiny babies, which I thought was very innocuous. Oh, yeah, totally benign. And 
uh, it was not well received. Um, I'll just leave it at that. And, but you know, that's, that site used to be a place where you went, where people were saying, oh, we haven't given up yet. And let, you know, come on, they can do it. Or that was a tough loss. And now it's just all crapping all over the individual people. And it's disgusting. But that's what it's devolved into. Well, that's what it's designed to be. I mean, this is I know the you've said that. I know you say that all the time. And I, but I'm starting to believe you. Good. It's engineered. The Facebook was engineered to make you do what you did. Go in there, toss a verbal grenade. You're all whiny babies. Everybody's fighting about it then. And they're all spending time on Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg thanks you for the coin you put in the jukebox uh, uh. just then by lighting up that fight. Because as soon as you did that, Facebook made sure that showed up on everybody's feed who visited the Remy report. Um, it's it's wired for fights. And Twitter is as well. Twitter is wired for these cultural skirmishes that light up. And every all the players in the um, Twitter, you know, trending topics, all the yeah. people's tweets who come up there, I'll get their moment in the stage. But, you know, I'm not saying you have to like Mike Richards. And you have, if you have a problem with the things he said on his podcast, I totally understand. Let's recognize also, maybe it doesn't deserve quite... And I say this as someone who loves game shows and does care about them, like, maybe it doesn't deserve quite the energy that um, we're pouring into it. But again, yes, it's a matter of people's will to engage in these... Um, these sort of inquisitions, but Twitter is wired for this. It's set up. Mike Richards' name has been in that trending box constantly because people fight, were fighting over it and getting angry over it. These uh, these platforms are wired for the fighting, and they make us um, seem to care about things, and it's almost like a hallucination because a few weeks later, you're like, what was... Uh, who cares? <laughs> like, right? Right. Um, right. Like, I'm saying now... Oh, uh, I wonder what so-and-so from high school is doing. Well, I unfriended him when he had all his pro-Trump stuff on. I think what you're right is we've, we have all said things that we might regret later that we didn't mean or that we learned better or whatever. Um, we've all said the wrong thing. And if you're raising your hand and saying, not me, bullshit. Um, Man, I agree. And I say, like, regardless of what color you are, I mean, like, all humans <laughs> fuck up from time to time. Yeah. And sometimes you pay consequences for your fuck ups. And, you know, this is the consequence Mike Richards is going to pay. Um, again, I'm not really losing sleep over it one way or the other. I, oh, but do you think his mom, do you think his mom is very disappointed? <laughs> I'm sure she is. Let's not shed too many tears for Mike Richards. He's still the executive producer of Jeopardy and Wheel right. of Fortune. Um, I think he's. He, I think he's going to be okay. I don't know. I just want to move on. Honestly, just pick a host, make it Ken Jennings, make it whoever at this yeah. point. Like, um, but oh, what is? It's so stupid that this show is has become. Um, 
Jeopardy of all things. Imagine five years ago saying, "Hey, you know what's really gonna get the yeah. desire up in a yeah. few years from now? Jeopardy. When they need a new host, people are gonna lose their minds over that. Yeah. And you just yeah. be like, "What are you? No, there's no <clears throat> way we would sink to that level." But yeah, and here we are. We just spent 15 minutes talking about. Yeah, it. talking about a game show. Well, let me just say this to you. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Is it on yet? It's not on, is it? <laughs> no, it won't be on till September. Okay, but that's September. how they say it. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, Mom's so. talking about the um, among game show aficionados, the beloved show, um, which is actually how it's pronounced. <laughs> it's spelled W H E W exclamation point. Um, this is a show that has not been seen except for there's a couple uh, episodes banging around on YouTube, but it's been like <laughs> the lost show for game show fans for decades, literally decades. So, um, yes, mom and I will be sure to talk about when it uh, <laughs> it at long last, uh, the repeats of it are put back on the air on the buzzer network. Uh, for now, mom. Let's uh, move past all this game show unpleasantness. Yes, um, yes. To uh, Fantastic Fungi. You ready? I'm ready. You might think you know everything there is to know about mushrooms. They're pretty. They taste good with pasta. They turn Mario into Super Mario. What else (laughs) is there? Well, as it turns out, there's a lot beneath the surface, literally. And the wonders of mushrooms, environmental, medical, psychoactive, and otherwise, are explored in this 2019 Netflix documentary, Fantastic Fungi, featuring interviews with mycologist Paul Stamets and food journalist Eugenia Bone, among others. There's a lot of people interviewed. I just really wanted to say Eugenia Bone, um, because there's a fun name to say. Here's a clip. Mushrooms represent rebirth, rejuvenation, regeneration. Fungi generate soil that gives life. The task that we face today is to understand the language of nature. My mission is to discover the language of nature of the fungal networks that communicate with the ecosystem. And I believe nature is intelligent. The fact that we lack the language skills to communicate with nature does not impugn the concept that nature is intelligent. It speaks to our inadequacy for communication. we don't get our act together and come in commonality and understanding with the organisms that sustain us today, not only will we destroy those organisms, but we will destroy ourselves. Fantastic Fungi featuring Eugenia Bone is available on Netflix. Mom, oh, whoops, I have last week's pun in here. Uh, Hold on. Um... (laughs) Uh, Mom, if this documentary were a person, would it be a fun guy? Oh, Johnny, I could have written that. Well, yes. I... <laughs> yes. 
Yes, I think this is a not-to-be-missed documentary. I was enchanted from the first moment right through. <sighs> yeah, um, well, it's it's a lot of time-lapse photography, and it really seems it's built around um, Paul Stamets, mostly, this guy, yeah. who, this amateur... Um, um, Mycologist. Mycologist, who, uh, and I say amateur, but he's quite an accomplished scientist in his own right. He just didn't. um... Well, they do specify amateur as something other than the context that we think of it in. Right. Um, They say that the word means lover, and it it does mean that. So, um, I mean, that's the root of it. Anyway, there's a lot of time-lapse photography. Um, there's a lot of Paul Stamets, and I think it's largely a vehicle for this time-lapse photography, but I'm not exactly complaining about that because right. uh, it sure is a pleasure to watch all these different kinds of mushrooms and funguses grow. Um, I just sat back and sort of let it wash over me and learned something, too, but um, right. the footage right. is quite beautiful. It is quite beautiful, and I have to say... Um, you know, we might as well just get this out of the way. Uh, it's very phallic. It's very um, beautiful. And me- and it's mesmerizing in that I thought it was just very sensuous. Sensuous. Yeah, that's a good word for it. Um, but it did cover a lot of I thought it was going to be all the nature stuff, you know, the the network and the the reason they exist and their their functions and it did of course start there and then it got into the drug use as as we typically think of it uh you know stoners and and Mm -hmm. whatnot um but then it also got into the medical aspect of it which i am really really fascinated by in that uh it 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 may have a use with people that have mental illness um, mm-hmm. and are prescribed Western medicine drugs that can or cannot be effective, but they are testing, I, I assume they are still testing, the use of these, uh, a specific mushroom, which I didn't write down, in a capsulated form in, used in a structured setting what it means to these people that go through this, that, that it, it sort of uh, changes your mind uh, structure, it sounds like. Hmm. That's what it sounds like to me and, and how beneficial it can be. And I just think that is really fascinating that people that, uh, that, we, that, we, that we see with post-traumatic stress disorder and you know, other chemical imbalances that perhaps this is a drug that holds some hope for these people, but of course is, is meeting with reluctance from Western medicine. Mm. What do you think of that? Um, well, I, I do have a, a fear of, of the mushroom, uh, you know, the, the using of mushrooms in your own home for your entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't part of that in the seventies and I just had no idea of this, of this medical use. I just had no idea. And I'm really excited by it. 
Yeah, if it can gain a, a foothold, I think the undercurrent of that part of the documentary was, uh, you know, our medical and scientific establishment is uh, sort of set up not to pursue this. And right. there were suggestion of uh, and evidence of progress on that front, but not a ton. Uh, it didn't strike me as huge progress. And yet say. I'm that's right. But but. You know, I think the Chinese people have probably utilized things like this for centuries. Mm, mm. And, you know, we are very late to that gain. Yeah, but we don't like we don't like to uh, think that. We don't like to think well, of ourselves as late to the game. We like to think of ourselves as uh, cutting ever. edge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So sometimes it can be hard for these old ideas to gain purchase. And in fairness, a lot of these old ideas are hokum too, you know, like True. homeopathy. True. How much do we, you know, which, in my opinion, homeopathy is, I maybe I'm going to provoke people's ire, believe what you want, but to me, it's meaningless um, and bunk. And I think that the science shows that. I think the problem here is that um, there was real science being done on this front and then it just sort of withered away and was, it was shut down through a combination of laws and cultural pressure. You want good science to be done. And you, the foundation right. for that seemingly has not been there for mushrooms for quite a long time. And I wonder why, because I, I, I felt like these people that were in the documentary were not nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. They seem very reasonable, and I, you know, I realize they seem reasonable. I, I understand what I'm saying, but, but you know, they have explored things from the ocean uh, as far as cancer curing or or dealing with cancers. Why why wouldn't we explore this? Well, I think the documentary explored why explained why to some degree uh, fear. Right, that's the basics of it. Well, I mean, what are the what are are in these capsules and tablets that we take? We don't know. Hey, yeah. I thought this was a very exciting idea. They showed some examples of people, a woman that was facing death, and she uh, underwent this this uh, experiment with the with the mushrooms in a, in a capsule, and uh, she came out feeling very enlightened and very hopeful and ready to live the rest of her life uh to the to the best mm. that she could yeah. and i found that very inspiring have you ever had uh, magic mushrooms no mm. have you yes i have and what did you think uh i think it was a very important experience in my life i honestly do really um, it um I would say that it gave me an awareness of um, it gave me of an awareness of some underlying compassionate force, like under almost like an energy underneath all other existence that unites us all. And I know this <laughs> this sounds very hippy dippy, and it sounds very much like a typical mushroom experience but i think it's typical for a reason um and but it's an insight that has stayed with me you know it's not yeah. yes it's um it's 
quite an experience um, in its own right, but it's also not like, oh, I got to get back to that high. Um, right, right. It's, it's not that type of thing. It's an insight that stuck with me, and I think it's, it's an experience that really um, galvanized the humanism in my work and in the way oh. I look at life. Like, I just... Um, you know, one reason I think people hear it in the way I talk about the culture, um, but one reason I um, find our insistence on drawing these lines and these increasingly fine and confusing and yet uh, red hot lines between each other is uh, I feel like we're all human beings and we acknowledge that so very rarely now. Uh, yeah. Um, and. Uh, to me, art uh, and culture and the things even we talk about on this show, I pursue art for two main reasons. One, to gain insight um, about myself as an individual um, and individual people. And two, to gain insight um, about the human experience. By experiencing perspectives other than my own, yet at the same time feeling them as part of one deeper, united human experience. So it's that combination of individualism and collectivism that, to me, when you put them together, that's human dignity, and that's the beauty of the human experience, and I'm just always pursuing that um, through art and through culture. Um, I hate seeing the culture as a battlefield and culture war and um it really uh, drains my soul because i think we could be connecting with each other and understanding each other through both our differences and similarities in so much more profound ways but instead we use the incredible power of our information society um so much of it on petty um yeah. significant perhaps, <clears throat> but not uh, lastingly significant matters. I'll put it that way. Well, I think we, we are not really taught uh, to properly listen to each other. And you have to listen to have a conversation. Hmm. Yeah. I think that that's really missing. Well, I love the, uh, I, uh, I love the idea of the mushrooms expanding in our brain and I, I sort of thought of it like Drano in that it goes through your mind and opens uh, pathways that are not available mm -hmm. uh, in everyday life um, which I realize you know is very oversimplified and they don't really understand it all but uh, I was really blown away by this documentary good well, I agree. I really enjoyed the documentary. And I went, you know, it's also, it's pretty light viewing, folks. If you're... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, we're talking about all this profundity, but it's a very easily watchable um, documentary. It's it's light in that sense that it's not, um, it's not asking you to be too profound as you watch, but it does open the door and show you that there's a little something through that door. And like I exactly. said, I'm a believer. When Paul Stamets, who's the main character and who also, um, I believe, was involved in putting the documentary together, like editing it and whatnot. Um, but Paul Stamets is the main character. And when he talks about um, how the, the mushrooms can 
shift your consciousness. I really, uh, I don't know. You related to that. that. I believe yeah. it. Yeah, I related yeah. to it. I, um, that's an important experience in my life. How old were you? Um, I was 32. Well, that seems like a good age as far as maturity to handle yeah. Yeah. What, it's, what it seems to be. I, I, I just, I am really intrigued with the whole thing. That's, that's all I can say. I'm very interested. All right. Uh, in, in that case, what is your grade for Fantastic Fungi, Mom? I really, I gave this a really solid A+. Plus. Mm-hmm. I think it addressed a lot of area. I, I just, I really thought it addressed everything I want to know. Yeah, they really do cover the gamut when it comes to yep. mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah, Mushrooms 101 is basically what this uh, documentary yep. is. All right, good. Uh, Mom, do you have a recommendation for us this week? Uh, I do have a recommendation this week for you. I read a book called Good Eggs by Rebecca Hardiman, and it is a story about uh, an English family. Uh, it's an amusing read. It's sort of, it's not as stupid no, no, it's not as it's not as fluffy as what would be described as a beach read, but it was rather rather light and very amusing to read. It's a good summer book. Okay, and what about is a family. It about? It's about a family in England. The mother is a little eccentric, uh, and then the. Uh, she lives in a nursing home and the rest of her family lives nearby and the, they have some adventures and some silliness and some nonsense. Okay, so that's Good Eggs by Rebecca Hardiman. You had also mentioned another book, Mom, in our uh, pre-show messaging. Do you want to talk about that one too? Or? I do. Let me okay. just tell you this one because it's a very small book. It's called Zori, Z-O-R-R-I-E, by Laird Hunt. This is a story about a young girl uh, that lives a rather solitary life and how she goes through it. It's a, um, it's a very, um, I'm going to say, lovely story. Hmm. Okay. A bit cryptic. Yeah. But it's, it's a, it too is a, is a great summer book. Okay, so that's Good Eggs by Rebecca Hardiman and Zori by Laird Hunt. Check your local library. Uh, that'll do it for this week's edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back next week to talk about more pop culture. Uh, what should we talk about, though, Mom? Any ideas? Ooh, something interesting. <laughs> yeah, you say that, but uh, that's uh, easier said than done right now. <laughs> right now we are scraping the streaming services for something to talk about but uh i think you came up with a good one this week thanks for that this was a good one yeah Yeah. fantastic fun gag good pick uh thanks for listening if you enjoy the show don't forget to tell your friends and we love to get email it's popmom at ological.net talk to us about anything we love you mom and i will talk to you again next week bye for now mom bye johnny i love you love you too